In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, You who are everywhere present and fill all things, Treasury of all that is good, Master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Today, we're going to look at the central 16 verses of chapter 7 of John, 737 to 53. Then we'll move on uh, to consider Jesus as light. The two great symbols and liturgical enactments of this Feast of Sukkoth, that which right now we're going to return to, are water and light. And so we worked up to this point um, the dialogue between Jesus and the crowd uh, on a, the middle of the feast, on a day in the middle of the feast. It's a seven-day feast. Now, on the last day, the great one of the feast. Now, by this time, they had added another day uh, of praise and so forth. It's hard to tell which one John means, but I think most of us would agree that it's the last official day, which was a very solemn ceremonial day, um, as everything included. On that day, <clears throat> Jesus stood and cried out. Now, already, I'm going to try to read some of these for you. Um, who cries out in this context? or similar context in the Old Testament. Wisdom. We have wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the open square she raises her voice. Proverbs one twenty. Then again in Proverbs 8, 1-4 Does not wisdom call and understanding raise her voice? On the top of the heights along the road at the crossroads she takes her stand. By the gates, at the approaches of the city, in the entryway, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call. My appeal is to the children of men. So that Jesus, in the middle of the temple uh, esplanade, shouting out loud to this whole crowd, surrounded, you see, and saying, he stood and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. What could that possibly mean to this crowd, having just witnessed for the seventh day the water ceremony, where the priest goes down to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, takes the water, comes up, and pours it out, and uh, as a expression of prayer. Uh, you see? Uh, now, there are other places where we have this notion of... of uh, uh, coming to Jesus for refreshment, like for food, for drink. Um, actually, the word come itself in John means to believe. Uh, so let him come to me, and he will drink the one who believes in me. That is, uh, if he thirsts, let him come to me, and he will drink this one 
who believes in me. So coming and believing bracket this action of drinking from the Lord. Why is faith a coming? Why does John do this? He does it more than once. Huh? Uh, why does he do this? You see, faith is a yielding. It's a yielding to the action of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> and so you see, the, um, the coming is a yielding. Jesus, the wisdom of God, is calling out, cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. You see? And he will drink. It's the same kind of a formula you have. Search the scriptures and you will find. It's just grammatically. It's like that. Come and you will. Here, come to me and he will drink. The one who believes in me. That's what it means to come to him. To believe in him. I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you are the source of living water. You are the source of wisdom. I believe your promise. As you see those things to Jesus, you can feel your spirit moving toward him, coming. Then the text says, from out of his midst, rivers will flow. This is as the scripture says, well, there is no scripture that says, out of his midst, rivers will flow. Uh, there is two, There are two allusions to it in uh, John. One is in 1934, and he handed over the Spirit and died. You see? Uh, rivers will flow of living water. This is a theme from chapter 4. Huh? Living water makes alive. It's wisdom. And uh, if you remember, uh, I think it was just last week, I went through a whole series of texts where we have this notion of water from the rock. It's in Exodus 17, you remember? Where the people complain and Moses strikes the rock, but he does it in a way that is displeasing to God, and so he's not going to be allowed to enter the promised land. Um, but then, that's the basic image, water from the rock in the desert. And on this feast of Sukkot, which is the commemoration of the Sukkot, the tents, the booths that people lived in in the desert. See, it's commemorating God's care for his people. And so, certainly, these texts, these fundamental texts, about water from the rock. That happens, as you remember, I gave you some other examples. Um, Nehemiah, Isaiah, the Psalms, uh, Psalm 105, for instance, of the four I have here. They asked and he brought quails. He gave them food from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It fled like a desert, in the desert like a river. And so you have this illusion. Now all of this is picked up by Paul in writing uh, to the Corinthians, if you can remember. We have, they were, they, 
See, they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same supernatural food. They drank the same supernatural drink, for they drank from the supernatural spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. And that is an allusion to a very old and long tradition in the Jewish people concerning this rock. And so, uh, and then he goes on to say, um, you see, the rock was Christ. And then, uh, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. In other words, who was being tested in the desert? Christ, the Logos. He was there. And that's Paul's point. It's such a difficult point that the scribes copying out the manuscript, many put in the Lord. But it's basically agreed that's not the, the, the good reading is that let us not tempt Christ as they did. What does that say about salvation history? What does that say about so many dimensions? The divine Logos was present to his people. You see? Now, from that imagery comes the, the prediction, the description, as I've mentioned last week, of the eschatological temple and the water that flows from this temple. He brought me to the entrance of the temple. Their water was flowing from below the threshold toward the east. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around. And so the water was coming out on the south side and flowing down, ultimately down into the Jordan and then into the Dead Sea. And it changed the waters of the Dead Sea. On either side of the Jordan, trees grew that bore fruit each month. And in its leaves, in their leaves, was healing. And then uh, the same thing in Joel. A fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the Wadi Shittim. Now, not only that, you see, but then uh, Ezekiel, uh, who's also just talked to us about the entrance to the temple, uh, and now in Zechariah we have, On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem. You see, it's the notion, what is the source of living wisdom? Well, first, what is living wisdom? It's experiential knowledge of God. That's living wisdom. Now, it comes from the rock. Oh, I have so many texts. The, inter- the early interpreters of this material all said that water from the rock, that's Torah, that's wisdom, you see? And so... Uh, Ezekiel, and then after him, Zechariah. Uh, So that the image now of this precious water, which feeds and is wisdom, you see, uh, comes from the rock. Now it's coming from the temple, and it comes from Jerusalem, finally. And it says that everybody has to come up. And if the family of Egypt did not go up and present themselves, then shall come the plague that the Lord inflicts on the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths, uh, the Feast of Sukkot. The whole world is supposed to come and, and rejoice in this feast of the poured out water, which is living. It's knowledge of God. You see? Now, uh, it, the same images are continued uh, 
now it's the uh, eschatological waters, the waters of the, the of the end time. In Revelation 21.6, Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. All of this, you see, when, when the Lord says, you see, um, as the scripture says, it's not just one scripture. It's the theme of all of these scriptures that water, you see, will flow from his midst, its midst, you see, streams of living water. And that's the promise. Now, uh, now he said this of the Spirit. This is very important, you see. These streams of living water, they are the living Spirit, you see. And so we have uh, this text now. Uh, we have texts like, I will pour out water upon the thirsty ground and streams upon the dry land. And then right after that, I will pour out my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing upon your descendants. It's from texts like that. That's Isaiah 44, 3, that uh, uh, John the Baptist got his metaphor of baptizing in the Spirit. I baptize you in water, but the one after me is going to pour out on you the Spirit, the Spirit which is promised as water. And the text we just read, you see, I'll pour out water upon thirsty ground, I'll pour out my Spirit. I will place my law within them and write it on their hearts. I will put my Spirit within you and make you careful to keep my statutes and so forth. You see, in all of these texts, um, we have this notion of water being promised. Finally, as a text we'll see later, uh, when Jesus had taken the wine, he said it is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the Spirit. We'll pick up on that in just a moment.